I remember clearly my good friend had disappeared from my life. What happened? I would see her every day at school, work out, talk on the phone, now nothing. And then I saw her one month later. She told me her three-year-old boy, Raven, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Their lives were turned upside down. That was more than 20 years ago. Today, I talked with Raven about how difficult his diagnosis was, his path in life, and he even gave me advice. My inspiration, Raven Kredowitz. Everybody has shit. It's a safe place where we aren't afraid to talk about our shit. Only open-minded and honest talk. Kim Reed gets real about her autoimmune struggles and other health and wellness issues we all face on a day-to-day basis. Raven Aaron, I've known you for, I'm going to say, most of your life. Yeah. And it was very young. At a very young moment in your life, you, your world and the world of your entire family was shaken up. And it was because you were diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. How old were you? So I was almost four years old at the time. Um, So I don't remember a lot of it. It's just those scarring moments that just stay you know flash in your memory like parts of the er when you're first put in there and certain memories you had as you're going through it but yeah i was probably i think i was just about turned four a few months before my fourth birthday so pretty much this is all you've ever known mm-hmm. i mean but it was a jolt i remember because i'm very good friends with your mom you guys just disappeared yeah i mean off the radar for a month and i'm like where what the hell where are they what's going on And what were the symptoms that you had, that you exhibited, that your mom was like, okay, I got to get him to the doctor? So it's it's tough because I can't, since I was so young, I can't recall if it's my memories or if it's stories from what my mom told me at the time. But, you know, at the age, I had gotten past the age of continuous, you know, early on bedwetting. And so it kind of started, I think, when she would come pick me up from school, I would start calling her before she'd come pick me up because I had, you know, access to the phones at the school. Um, And I'd say, hey, mom, you know, I really, like, can you make sure you bring water with you when you come pick me up? Because I'm so thirsty. I can't make it from the water fountain to your car without dying of thirst. Right. And so we did that a few times, and it started to get a little bit more extreme, Um, you know, from her perspective, looking at it. She's like, you know, this this is kind of weird. Like, he needs to go this long. He's are you sure you can't wait just a little bit longer until we get home? No, I need it right now. So that was the first, I think, kind of sign. And then after that started, I started wetting the bed every night, um, which was new for me at that time. Um, and at that point, she's like, you know what? I'm, let's let's take you in and just get, you know, get you checked out. Maybe you're getting sick. Maybe you're dealing with something else. And um, she definitely wasn't expecting it to turn out to be diabetes. She didn't even know what that was at the time. Well, you went from one doctor to the hospital, correct? Right. Yes. So we went to a doctor um, who basically took us in, looked at us, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, we're going to look through your blood work, all that stuff. Feel free to go home. I'm sure it's not a big deal. So we end up leaving, and once we get home, my mom gets the phone call from the doctor saying, you need to come back immediately. You're, and they wouldn't tell her exactly what it was. They wanted to do it in person, blah, blah, blah. So we drive back to the hospital. They sit us down. They go, your, your son 
has type one diabetic. He's his blood sugar is off the charts. He's extremely high, blah, blah, blah. And so that was the first time that they were even confronted with the thought of diabetes. Um, and that was the first time it was mentioned. And that was the beginning of a completely changing life for the entire family, for everybody, for everybody. I mean, anybody I'd come into contact really with for the rest of my life, my friendships, my future wife, you know, my parents, me personally, obviously, um, everything shifted that day. So, so it's, learning about it, understanding yeah. it, understanding the exactly what the family has to do in order to maintain your life. Right. Well, there's kind of two aspects I like to look at. It. There's there's the textbook understanding of diabetes, which is basically the only understanding that pretty much anyone can have, doctors, everybody, unless you're actually diabetic. Then there's a completely different understanding of the disease because you look at your textbook, okay? This is this is what causes it. Yeah. This is how you take care of it. This is how you handle it. But it's not a universal plan. Right. You know, it's different per person. So that was the beginning of us understanding clinically what diabetes was, but it was just the beginning of actually understanding what it means to live with that disease. Yeah. And, and I mean that really for the entire family because at three years old, I'm not managing it myself. No. I'm dealing with new feelings and, you know, trying to understand. I don't know what's going on so, with me. You know? Okay, so the biggest deal, mm-hmm. okay, is the diet. But the, but then the other biggest deal is maintaining and checking your blood sugars. And in order to do that, this was 20, how many years ago? What, 26, 20, almost 26, 25 years ago. Yeah, now? so you had to be stuck with a needle all day long, every day. Yeah, so kind of a not so funny, a sad story looking back on it. But at the time when we went into the hospital, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. I remember little glimpses of, of things that were happening yeah. um, as they happened. And But I remember when they finally let us go, I think we were there for three or four days in the hospital before they discharged us for us to now go handle this disease on our own. And um, while I was in there, I was obviously continuously getting shots to maintain your blood sugar. You're, anytime you eat something, you're giving yourself insulin for it. Um, or anytime your blood sugar goes high, you're giving yourself insulin for it. So at that time, I'm getting, you know, 10 shots a day. And they finally discharge us. And I remember looking back over my shoulder and being like, thank God I never have to get another shot again. That's what I thought at the time. I was like, oh my God. I literally was like, mom, we can really leave. Like I thought we were escaping from yeah. a penitentiary right. <laughs> at the time. And I think that was the moment my mom was like so heartbroken because she saw how excited I was. And I was like, really, I don't need to go back and get shots. And she's like, no, you're going to have to get shots for the rest of your life. And but that's, that's hard, tough though, as a mom too. Well, it's you know? tough. Oh. To have to do that, to be the one to administer it to your kids. Yeah, because when a pediatrician gives you your vaccines, you walk out of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nothing's happening, blind eye. Suffer. But now she's the one that has to give them to you. Correct. So do you have any idea how many shots at this point in your life that you had? I don't know. I could do like some calculator math to figure it out, but I would say on average, you know, it, it, it varied as technology advanced. Yes. It, I went through so many different phases. At the time, it was a, I was getting less shots back then, but it was a much worse living situation. Back when I was first diagnosed, you know, it was, care was pretty minimal. Um, luckily, it advanced from the people who had it in the 70s where, you know, checking your blood sugar was, uh, wasn't mathematical or scientific at all. It yeah. was just basically like you're either below 100 or you're above 300, and the rest is just guesswork. Right. So by the time I was diagnosed, I was able to at least – check my blood sugar and, and, um, that hasn't changed too much, but 
the dosing and types of insulins have varied a lot. So at that time when I was, you know, very young, you had to plan out my meals before the day started, which as you know, for a kid is really tough. Like sometimes they're like, okay, you you take a set amount of insulin and then you have to fill out that insulin because insulin back then was long lasting. There was no immediate short term insulin. So you take a shot in the morning and that shot's going to cover your like breakfast and lunch. And so you have a set amount of carbs that you need to eat for both of those meals, Right. which is difficult when you're That's a kid because you so have to hard. figure out, okay, I'm not hungry this morning. Yeah. Well, you have to force feed me, yeah. you know, or I'm really hungry. Well, you can't eat anymore because you've already gone over. So there was those things starting on, but at the beginning it was only, you know, three shots a day. Now we have fast acting insulin. So anytime I eat, I can eat when I want, give myself a shot for whatever I'm eating at that moment. And then I'm good. I'm covered. It kicks in within an hour or two and we're good to go. But that also increases the amount of shots I'm giving myself. So these days it could go anywhere from six to 15 times a day. So it's never, you're never at ease. And no, that's that's a hundred percent true. And that's the thing of the difference I was talking about between clinically understanding diabetes and then living with diabetes are two completely different understandings because there is literally no break ever. I'm talking all day, all night, constantly. There's nights where I don't sleep all night because I'm, my blood sugar is going low. And if I go to sleep, I may not wake up in the morning. Those days never end. So are you now that you're older, you're older than three, you understand the importance of maintaining your blood sugars. Is it any easier in terms of your overall lifestyle that, okay, look, I know that this is what I have to do because as a diabetic, I do know that if you don't take care of yourself, it has a very dramatic effect. Very serious repercussions. Yes. So are you able to manage it any better? Yes. And that's partly due to few different reasons. A, I, as you grow up with diabetes, I mean, you understand you're going through all the phases of your life as a kid. So there's rebellious phases. There's phases where you just want to pretend you don't have it and I'm not going to deal with that. I'm over it. And those, those definitely happen when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, that's all you want to do. You're tired of it. You don't want to deal with it. And everybody goes through that. It's a big epidemic for a lot of kids that are diabetic because a lot of people end up passing away when they're in their later teens or college years because they just want to neglect it and pretend they don't have it. And I don't blame anyone for doing that. I did that myself for a long time. So you go through that phase. So first, everything's great because my mom's taking care of it. <laughs> so it's off of my plate kind of, except for the feelings. And, but the anxieties didn't exist at the time. Then you start getting older and you start understanding the real repercussions of the disease. If I have a low blood sugar, I could end up going to a seizure and then pass away. That can happen at any point in time. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have high blood sugars, which are long-term effects. That's going to be things that affect your eyes, your organs, your, all those, you know, preventative, you're really trying to maintain and prevent these long-term complications from happening. Right. But while those are very important in the long term, you have the short terms of going low. So there's kind of these weird two things. But as you get older, technology is also advanced. So it has made it easier to maintain in certain aspects. But as you go through your teens, you neglect those. So even though you may have the technology to help, Mm -hmm. you neglect it. But now that I'm at this part in my life, yes, it's become easier to manage. But it's changed. I feel like every phase of your life, you you have a new hurdle. So now 
I step into a business meeting, my blood sugar goes low. That's very difficult to try to, to handle and maintain um, because you have responsibilities that you want to be there for and be interactive during, and you just can't. So those adult responsibilities can be challenging, but as far as day-to-day -day care, your hormones have leveled out, so that makes it easier. You have amazing technology that's at my disposal now. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go out and, and get myself some of these things that a lot of kids don't have access to. Um, so I'm so blessed in that area to be able to supply myself with the technology to make it easier. The disease is never easy. Yeah. At the end of the day, no matter what, as long as like right now there is no cure for diabetes. Um, yes, we have new ways of helping management. I'm on a Dexcom now, which is amazing. So I don't actually have to check my blood sugar anymore. I put this device on my hip. It's basically like a sticker. It sticks onto my, the outside of my skin. It has a tiny little flexible wire that I insert once every 10 days. It just makes living. And it makes living so much easier. So much easier. So, okay, at a very young age, you were diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. Life changer. So you're going through elementary school, mm -hmm. you get into middle school, you get into high school. Things are tough for you. And they're tough because of something else. They're tough because mm -hmm. you have ADD, ADHD. Um, <laughs> that is, and as the mother of a son who also suffered from that, because it is tough. It is, it is yeah, tough to absolutely. live. It's tough to live. Absolutely. And you, and you don't really know that it's happening when it's happening or, or what's going on. Parents look at you as irresponsible. Absolutely. You get your shit together. What's your problem? Turn your stuff in. <laughs> do your homework. Take care of your diabetes. <laughs> take, take care of your diabetes. Yeah. Organize yourself. Yeah. And you're looking at these kids who are bright kids, but it's like, what's, what's going on here? Okay, so you've got diabetes, and now things academically and at school are starting to unravel. Right. Well, I'm going to be honest. They were always a little loose <laughs> at school because I, although we didn't understand it, I had had ADD since yeah. I was a little kid. My parents right. actually got me tested to see where my IQ was on the spectrum because they, people really didn't understand ADD. No. And when... Even though ADD was a term, it almost seemed like a scapegoat for just being lazy. So that's how a lot of people no, looked at it. And, and there's no doubt about it, especially fathers oh, looking at their sons absolutely. and saying, okay, what's your problem? And I think that until we were able to moms convince dads <laughs> yeah. that, okay, this is not just a passing phase. There is actually a diagnosis here. Things just don't things aren't easy for these kids. And the interesting thing about what you're saying as I'm thinking about it is we're actually, I mean, not lucky to have autoimmune, but to have autoimmune in this day and age, I think is so much more of a welcoming environment than it would have been 20, 30 years ago. Because you yeah, look at yeah. the way that the social trends in the US are going and people are actually starting to become more sensitive to different issues that people may have right um and school academics they're becoming more accommodating to kids who have add and hd uh, offering different testing facilities but at the time we when i was going through it we we're kind of at that point where it was about to break through and people were about to start to understand or start understanding um the reality as of add and but adhd it, but exactly it, it has grown the understanding it of it vastly yes but then it was tough. It's tough to be the mother oh, yeah. of a child sure, that has yeah. ADHD because it's Absolutely. Hard, because you're trying you're learning as you go. You don't understand what's happening. So you graduate high school, 
and then you get to college and what happened? Well, <laughs> well, there's a few things. And, and just one last thing on the ADD thing is, is it's also something that kids who have it don't understand too. And I feel like that's something that is very interesting kind of perspective that a lot of people don't look at is they, they look at the kid and they go, why are you lazy? Why are you all these different things? And they don't have an answer. I sat there and judged myself constantly because I didn't fully understand what ADD was either. No. You know, I'm like, why am I not taking care of my diabetes? Am I a bad kid? Because you don't have the tools to understand exactly. it. Exactly. So, uh, so there's a mental toll that it well, takes, yeah. obviously. There, uh, there, and maturity is a Absolutely. huge part of that. Yeah. But with the ADHD, you had trouble sitting in a class. Oh. You had trouble digesting what was Anything I wasn't interested in. Yeah. Anything I wasn't interested in. So what happened with college? Well, college was an interesting time for me because I was in, like we said, I was in this weird pivotal moment in my life where I was starting to try to figure out who I really was as a person because okay, growing up diabetic, then the ADD comes around and I'm looking at myself trying to analyze, okay, who am I? Am I a lazy person who is unmotivated and all these different things? But at the same time, why am I so motivated and so heavily invested in things that hold my interest? Yeah. So when I was entering into college, I was kind of in that period of my life of self-discovery, of reading all these different books, trying to figure out who I was, because I wasn't getting any answers from people around me. My, you know, my, my family didn't fully understand it. I didn't understand yeah. it. My doctors couldn't explain it to me. And so I had to try to figure it out myself. And so when I was going through college, I was very lost the first semester, trying to figure out where I belong, what I should be doing with my life, blah, blah, blah. And so after going through college for a while, I ended up actually taking a leave of absence because of, for that reason. I was going through college not knowing what I want to do. My diabetes was out of control. I was just in this whole whirlwind of a situation of yeah. just tired of trying to figure out what's going on with me as a person. Right. Mentally, physically, frustrated with diabetes, wanting to rebel against that. I was just in such a weird place. So I decided to take a medical leave of absence from, I was going to San Diego State at the time, and further this journey of self-discovery. And I found this program um, to go basically live in Israel, do some studying, and and find out who I was. I had no ties to, like, I'm, I was raised Jewish, but I'm not a religious person. I don't have any ties to Israel in any sense but I chose it because I wanted to go somewhere that was just so profoundly different than what I was used to. Right. And somewhere I didn't know anybody, somewhere where I could just fully go and find myself. And so that's what I did. Right. And during that time, I came to a lot of different conclusions about myself, about my ADD, about, um, you know, and learning how to best maximize my potential, not just based through societal norms of, okay, you go to high school, you go to college, you do this, you find your job, but what works for me personally, because right. it doesn't, not the same thing works for everyone. No. And, and, but you have to be mature enough to understand that that's what you have to do. Right. I mean, I, I, I really believe with boys, it takes 25, 26 years old, especially if you have ADHD to understand, okay, look, I got to deal with this. How am I going to be most successful? And it doesn't necessarily mean going to college. Correct. It doesn't necessarily, because I know that you're very artistic. So, and my son took a long time to get his degree. He kept pushing for it and he graduated at 29 a month before he turned 30. So it was a huge accomplishment. But that's the thing. That's the interesting thing. So you're able to say that's a huge accomplishment right. because you understand. But from an outside perspective, it's not. It is to me because I understand it. But it's that's the issue with, I feel like, a lot of ways that 
because people don't understand the struggles that you're right. going with when you have ADD, they someone hears, oh, they graduated at 30, they don't they see it as something to not be as proud of. Whereas me, on the other hand, I think that there's a different course for every person. Same. And just because he graduated that age doesn't mean he's not as smart, as intelligent, as hardworking as everyone else. No. And, and it's an education thing. People it, don't understand it. I absolutely agree because here's the deal. We don't all fit into a box. Correct. And just because I did four years of college right after high school and got my degree, in my mind, I felt that, okay, that is the prescribed way that everybody needs to do it, my children. And you thought that because you're taught that at the knees. But it's not, and it's okay. It took me a while to understand it's okay. Look, as long as you're moving towards something, as long as you're getting up every day and you're busy moving towards something, that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be the thing, no. but something and being productive and feeling and having a reason to get up and feeling good about yourself. Those were some of the criteria that we established in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kept at it. But I, I'm hoping nowadays that that stigma of, oh, he's lazy, he's this, he's that, hopefully that's, that's, um, adjusting with the times because there's more and a more available tutoring for these kids, for you kids. Right. And I think, you know, also times are just changing in a place that's in a way right now that is really nurturing to kids like me who are, who are different. We don't follow the standard course of society no. and, and societal norms. And that's a lot of the millennial with the different ways of creating your own incomes and that's a huge stream that's starting to really pool out and people are starting to look at college going you know is it the best source of education for everyone for me right for and me. that's important the individualized yes. plan and that's huge for kids who have autoimmune deficiencies because okay it's different now now we're where we are with you yes so you're married you're newly married yes just a few months um you have done some pretty extraordinary things you don't have a college degree. I do not. <laughs> and it is okay. And you are successful and you are happy and you are artistic. I know for a fact um, that you are an amazing photographer. I have some of your pieces Thank in you. my house. I mean, not just a photographer. You are unbelievable. Thank and you're you. so good on Instagram that different um, resorts around the world have seen your pictures and have invited you to come and take pictures and to just post them. Yeah. I mean, you know, the interesting thing about how I got to where I am now is because I decided to break off the normal path and find something that works for me, which like we talked about was frowned upon at first, but you, 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 the word that you just used is path. And I believe this, when you are dealt diabetes, when you're dealt autoimmune, when you're Mm -hmm. dealt a shift, okay, you're never going to be the way you were before you were three and before you were diagnosed. Correct. With my autoimmune four years ago, I'm ne- that's never going to be me because the past couple of days I've been fighting a flare-up. I'm like, God damn it. Yep. You know, and I'm trying to figure out a way. So we have to rethink our path. It's a new way of being. And so I, we've, John Browner and I have try- been trying to think of a name for this show. And at first it was, How Are You Doing?, because how you doing is such a loaded question. Because we, mm-hmm. you know, we could be great right now, but in an hour it could change. We it, we might not sure. be good. So how do we answer that? And it's well intended. So now we're we've come up with a name. It's everybody has shit, because everybody does have shit. 
and everybody needs to talk about their shit mm -hmm. because you can provide help for somebody with juvenile diabetes. Just a few words, something to inspire somebody or, or ADHD or me with my autoimmune or trying to figure out you know, what's wrong with me and maybe somebody else has a solution or something that they've done that can help us. But I, I firmly believe that, I mean, I know that I kept mine silent. Silence is deadly. Yes. It really is. It really is. Absolutely, I agree with that. We have to share with each other. And when we do that, our world opens up. I mean, people are open to that. It's not like you're going and dumping all your crap on somebody. No, yeah, right. You know, there's a difference. No, I think, you know, that's something that is really important to be said for people with autoimmune diseases because growing up, I knew secretly of, I think, three kids who were also diabetic, but they didn't want anyone to know. And that couldn't be more detrimental to their own mentality and those of who are also diabetic and there it's I could have somebody to talk to or I can help her through you know her up dealing with being newly diagnosed I think talking is such an important thing and a lot of people don't do it because when somebody asks that question how are you doing most people will say I'm doing great I'm doing great doing great I'm okay but that's okay. not the reality no it's not the reality <laughs> no. but but I mean you know want to know how you're doing we're genuinely yeah of course know. But a part of me is like, I don't want to jinx the fact that, you know, I've been feeling good for the last three months. Sure. So I'm just like, yeah, sure. I'm okay. You know, yeah. because it, you just, life is a day-to-day -day process. Absolutely. And so every day you wake up, that you feel good, that you're able to go out and do the things you do, you have to appreciate it. Yeah. And it seems so like, oh, it's the truth. Oh, yeah. If you feel good, appreciate it. Absolutely. You know it. I think that every time I don't feel well. I go, you know what, I need to appreciate those times that I do. Yeah. And that that's frequent. But, you know, me speaking and, and being open to and, and, and offering advice to uh, kids who may be at that phase that I was when I was 16, 17, it, I'm not coming from a place of superiority. It's only that I've been there. And yeah. I've had to deal with it and struggle with it. And I didn't have that person to talk to. And I love being that person for other people because it's not easy regardless being diabetic or whatever autoimmune disease that you do have it's never easy and it's an extra challenge on your life and especially through you know if if you were like me when you're going through these during a, a part of your life that's already difficult growing up changing making friends at school not sticking out not being weird you know when you're going through those things it's a really hard thing to deal with yeah. and it took me from you know 13 all the way until god i was probably 23 when i feel like okay, I think I kind of understand my path in life. Right. You know, and that includes the ADD was a huge part of where I ended up going and not going down, not doing the college route and doing my own thing is I really look at it as my superpowers now. At the time, it was the most detrimental thing to me in the world. But having ADD now, I look at it as like, I am capable of doing these things that other people can't do because they don't have ADD. Because you and, were listening to yourself and, and, that's and the important where thing. you wanted to go exactly. and not to the, what the norms of society expected of And you. I think that's the most important message for people who do have autoimmunes is your life isn't the standard normal life of, of an average person who doesn't have autoimmune. So why live your life as though it is? You make up your own plan that works for you. Capitalize on your strengths. Help make up for the weaknesses. Feel like feel open to ask for help, to yeah. talk to people. Those are very important things. 
And I hate that people feel like they need to follow a certain path because that's what was prescribed to them when they were five years old. Yeah. You know, it, it make up your own path that works for you. Yeah. For my ADD, I had a very hard time chugging through a lot of um, monotonous reading lists and I couldn't do that. So you know what I do? I'm gonna go out and outsource someone who would be able to help me do that and that's their strength. Right. And I'll capitalize on my strengths and filling but, in those voids. But that's the maturity and that's the knowing that you get as you get older. Absolutely. One of the other things that you've done, you became a pilot. I did. Oh, <laughs> I mean, honest to God. So what is it? It's like a little, what do you call the, the, the device that you fly? There's a few names for it. Um, but it, I call it a trike because it's, a trike? It's, it's called a trike by a lot of people because it has a tricycle gear. Basically this, the, the, wheel configuration is like a tricycle. Okay, but here's the deal. You don't pedal it and it doesn't go as high as a house. It goes as high as an airplane. Yes. And when you got your license way the hell up in Reno or yes. wherever you were, you decided to fly it home by yourself. Yes. Your mom and I are terrified. Home, I... To vomit. We're like, no. I know. No. I know. And now she's gotten up there with yes. you. It's amazing to watch. Speaking of which. Yeah. That ain't happening. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Oh. Yeah, so. Um, and you passed with not just flying colors, but you excelled. Yes. So, I mean, you, you, you're you very artistic. Very artistic. And you can't shut that down. No. And flying, I guess, is part of, of it the is the world. It's You know, it's interesting. It actually, I, I think about where the adventurous side of my life really stemmed from. Because as a photographer, the thing that really fueled it was adventure. I yeah. love traveling, I love exploring, I love trying to live life to the fullest because I feel like so many people are content in their little, you know, their little bubble at home. And there's so much more to this world that I feel like is out there. And I feel like a lot of that stems from my constant dance with life through diabetes and through, I, you know, I'm diabetic. I have, I had really bad travel anxiety that- Time. Oh, yep. Yeah, no worries. Um, really bad travel anxiety. So, you know, all these different things were hurdles in my life that then I feel like propelled me to where I am now, where people look at me and they go, wow, like, look how far you've gone. I'm right. like, those are results. Like, there can be good things that come from your autoimmunes too. Like, it's not all negative. I made amazing friendships and lifelong relationships and and bonding with people over these things. You, When you look at the hard negatives, and trust me, they outweigh the positives. <laughs> but when you look at the hard negatives, it is important to look at any potential positives. They may not exist for certain people, but having had it my whole life and being three years old, I made amazing friends at camp that have diabetes. And I've changed certain people's lives from having been diabetic and helping others or people with anxiety or people with ADD. I have tried to turn those into more positive parts of my life to look at and go, look, I am stuck with these things. What's the most I can make of it? Right, you can't change it. Exactly. So that's the part of the path part that I was talking about. We have to come up with a new path, so we can't give up. And there are times that you absolutely want to give up. Oh, I've done it. You're in yeah. so much pain absolutely. that you can't get up. And Cry your eyes like, out. Yeah, yeah, this is it. I can't live my life like this. Okay, maybe we're allowed those moments. But that's okay. That's the thing. Those moments are okay. You need those moments. I feel like so many people are ashamed of those moments. It's like you're only human. You know, I have these days. I deal with diabetes every day, like we said. It's constant and 
every few months I just break down and you need those moments. Yeah. You need to have those. Don't push them off. Don't think that they're bad because they're coping mechanisms. Your body needs to go through that process. I like guess I, so. I have that, you know, with Annie, I'll be sitting at night, my blood sugar is going low. I haven't slept for two days and I haven't been eating because I'm just ingesting juice and it kills my appetite and I'm losing weight like crazy. Those happen. They happen every few months. Everyone who's diabetic, or I'm sure with you, you have flare-ups. And they're so frustrating that you just break down. And that's okay. Your body can't just take in all the stress. Like, we can't pretend the negatives don't happen. They do. And that is okay. You have to feel okay with crying. You have to feel okay with pitying yourself every okay. now and then. Okay. But then move on and try to enjoy it. But have those moments. Yeah. Definitely have them cry until you can't breathe, do whatever, let it out, take a deep breath and take on the next day. And it'll, those will go to the back of your mind, but they will happen. You can't live life having an autoimmune disease, pretending like you're just happy every day. It doesn't happen. So I just learned that from you. I'm going to, I'm not going to succumb to them yeah. and think that, okay, this is the way it's always, th because that's where your head goes. This Absolutely. is the way it's always going to be. Yeah. And maybe I don't want to allow myself to break down. But you have you know? to, it's healthy. I know. It's a, I know. I'm just not, as a person, used well, to like I, crying. And, and I mean, I'm a very emotional person, right. but emotional inside. That's how I am. And that's why it takes so. Sometimes it's six months, a year before it weighs down on me. But I get to a point where I go, I'm holding it back. Why am I not just letting it happen? And I let it happen, and it's cathartic. I feel so much better. And you have to allow that. It's a, it takes a toll on your life. Express that, let it out, and then move on. Be Try to look at the positives again, but don't excuse and just allow those moments. Don't bury them inside because it is tough. No matter what you're dealing with, it's hard. We have hard things that we have to deal with. Allow is, yourself to express this it. This is a great example of why people should talk. Exactly. I mean, it really yeah. is because something as simple as what you just said resonated with me. Which is, I mean, really I've had did. it since I was three. It's been a lifelong thing for a lot of people who are just, you know, later in their lives dealing with it or confronting it or you know, for in my realm of speaking for kids who are diagnosed when they're 18. It's different. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse that I've had it that young. It's a curse because my poor mother and me, and I've had it longer, and it, it diminishes your lifespan over time. But at the same time, it's something that I'm used to. It is my life. I would feel weird almost not having it yeah. at this point. But it's positive because I have, I'm so used to the emotions and the roller coaster of it that it's a part of my daily life. For better or for worse, it's what I'm used to. Raven, you've shared so much. And I, I've, I've brought this up to you recently. When you were a little boy, I can remember out in front of school, in lower school, because, you know, I've known you since you were sure, this yeah, big. Sure, yeah, yeah, And I was holding you, and I'm like, and I whispered in your ear, <laughs> are you always going to let me hold you? And you were like, yeah. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> and I mean, I just, I, you know what I think about you. Yeah. I love you like crazy because I see how um, you've handled it. May, it gets me emotional because I know how tough this has been. And, in it, and I know that you still have challenges, but I see the things that you've done. Honestly, I see everything that you do. I see your photography. I see the fact that you learned how to fly your trike. <laughs> I see what you're doing in business. I see how you're married and how mm -hmm. responsible you are. I mean, all of that counts. And I can just with everything, and, and I look at it as adversity that you've had. 
and the way that you've matured and right. your ability to take it in the way that you have and give me advice that I'm going to, that is just makes it better for me is amazing. And that's what's so important to me and why I originally wanted to get into a seat, a talking position in terms of having a large audience with Instagram because I know there's so many people out there and it's something that I try to focus on is, I mean, obviously things that I can more closely relate, but the anxiety and the diabetes and the autoimmune, and there's so many people out there and I love having a stage where I can talk to those people because I wouldn't be where I am today without my autoimmunes, to be honest. I'd yeah. probably be working some, you know, corporate job somewhere and... I'm, it's a blessing and a curse, but if you can look at your autoimmune and say, hey, this is this, because of these challenges I've overcome, it's made me a better person, then great. Try to look at it in the most positive light that you can and, and run with it. We're going we're gonna to walk this path together. <laughs> yes. You and me, we, we've, I've already walked most of your life. I know. So we have a long road. Yes. And so I, I can't even thank you enough of for course. your honesty and you know, it, it, it pays to talk, it pays to be open, and you know what? It actually feels good. Yeah, it does. Thank you.